0: Hey, I'm Nathan, the online pastor around here, and welcome to Parkview On The Go. If you're new, maybe you found us online, or your friend finally convinced you to listen, uh, you're probably wondering what we're all about. Well, here's the gist of it. No matter where you are when it comes to this faith thing, whether you've been around church for a while, or you're just getting to know who Jesus is for the first time, we are here to help you take steps toward God. And not just you. If you have kids running around your house, we want to help them take steps toward God too. And one of the ways we do that every summer is by hosting Summer Jam at all of our physical locations around Chicagoland. I would describe it as vacation Bible school meets the biggest, most fun party you could ever imagine. And if you're, if you're listening right now, and you're close enough to drive to a campus, we would love to have you. And if you can't make it to one of our physical locations, keep an eye out for online resources to enjoy with your family. And for more information, go to parkviewchurch.com slash summer jam. And speaking of kids, we are officially launching one, Parkview Athletics, an opportunity for kids four years old, all the way up to sixth grade to learn and participate in grace-filled team sports. This summer, we're starting with soccer and plan to add additional sports along the way. If you want more information about Parkview Athletics or about registering your kids, go to parkviewchurch.com slash athletics. As if you couldn't tell, we are a church that cares deeply about reaching the next generation, and that only happens because of your generosity and support of the ministry that God is doing through Parkview. So if you're someone who gives to the mission— Thank you. If I could give you a COVID appropriate hug right now, I would. We couldn't do anything without your support. And if you'd like to start contributing to what God is doing through Parkview, you can set that up at parkviewchurch.com/give. Thanks again for being here. Enjoy the service.
1: Hey Park good to have you here. Welcome online. We're glad to have you here, Homer Glenn, New Lenox, Oil and Park. Really, I just want to—I can't adequately express my joy and gratitude for last weekend. Um, if you weren't around or didn't see it, um, we just had an amazing time. Um, just, I—you I, know—we celebrated the church's 70th anniversary and our 30th anniversary. And I just got to tell you, I couldn't. I, 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 I was uneasy about it, you know, celebrations are important and anniversaries are important to some people. I'm not usually a look back kind of guy, I'm kind of look to the future, but it felt like it was important for us as a church and as a family to realize where God has taken us and let us realize what the future is going to look like because of that, especially during this time as we're coming out of this pandemic and trying to figure out what the weird future looks like, right? Right and i I mean you got to meet my family, and I, that was what I really wanted and they are amazing i've got an amazing family and and it's a legacy that thank you thank you thank you i mean it they are they, i mean you know it, but but it's a legacy that didn't really have to do with me. it started at the at the uh, way up at the level of the grandparents, the larger family, the influence both sets of our, Denise and my parents married for 62 years, um, and my parents are still alive, and I think they're still married, so, you know, I mean, it's going to, who knows what they're going to, who knows what they're going to do, there's, there's, I mean, this is like this, this uh, Disney bubble kind of thing from a Christian standpoint that we've lived in, there's no divorce in any of our immediate families. There's no alcoholism in, in that. I mean, you know, and, and I know you're like, man, I wish I had that, and I get it. So it's not about me. Plus, we've raised our family in uh, an unbelievable blessing of, of this church. And and how amazing to think about all of you that taught my carols along the way, and, and Tommy actually as well, and, and, and the benefit of living in the south suburbs. I tell people this all the time, and they don't get it the Catholic influence in the south suburbs meant that even though our kids went to public school, it was still acceptable to do Christian things at Lincoln Way East. So our girls were in Madrigal singers and they sang about Jesus back in those days because Alicia Lambert, who was the choir director, that, that's who she was, and they were able to do that. And Cliff Smith, love you, bro. I mean, band director, and 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 so many people that had influence in their lives. Coach Z, love you. Happy birthday, Coach Z. I mean, he, he taught one of my girls to drive. I mean, you want to pat somebody on the back for something, forget about you know, a state championship. He taught one of my girls to drive. Betsy Vandenberg, who was playing keys up here at, at our Orland campus, taught our kids math, and they still haven't used any of it because there's no reason to learn math. But, but our future, I, I just want you to understand how much of a group thing, I'm just so appreciative. I just, and I want you to know that the future is bright and i couldn't be more excited to see what it's going to be like as we go forward from this place and and let me just tell you i just just pause for a second let me tell you a couple of really cool things that we're working on as a church okay the first one is that parkview global what we do out in the world is starting a new church and it's with these guys okay it, it's it's uh it's, I don't even know how to say it because it's a French-speaking church, okay? Frederick and Nadine Lebert, as they plant a completely new kind of church, Frederick's from Belgium and Nadine is from the Democratic Republic of Congo, and they met while doing a law degree in Australia, and then they moved to Montreal, but now they're planting a church, but it's an online church targeting young people that, it, that is, they're going to be able to reach that they normally wouldn't have been able to reach, and they have 175,000 Instagram followers already. Uh, I mean, I have like 175. Period. No zeros after it. And that's what they're doing. And we're helping them plant that. They have, th- you know, they, they just have this amazing thing going. And Parfue helped them do worship. I just want you to see the worship that they did. Here's a little video of what they've been doing. Good day, They are going to plant in the Democratic Republic of Congo, which no place needs Jesus more than that, but they already have 27 small groups from 15 different countries on four different continents because they're doing it in a new and amazing way. Isn't that cool? And the uh, the second thing I want to tell you is that, you know, we talk about uh, Chicago and how we can help Chicago, and we're all, do, you know, we're all really disappointed with what's gone on in our own city, and how do we help it, and what can we do, and Iron Mike Singletary called me a couple of weeks ago, and we started talking about what we could do to do something with Chicago, and Mike has got some great leaders around, and I'm rallying the churches, and we are going to do a big thing down at Soldier Field eventually sometime this summer to get everybody together, and we've got some crazy cool ideas on how the church and the people, not the government, can get involved on the south side and the west side of Chicago to help fix the problems that are going on and all of that is part of what Parkview is about that sometimes you don't even know about that's why I'm excited that's why I want you to understand that our future is bright okay so let's talk about getting hell out of here okay and let me explain (coughs) Revelation for you are you ready for this okay if you don't understand the book of Revelation That's for a good reason. (laughs) Revelation is a 2,000-year-old letter that was written to seven churches in Asia Minor. And it is very situational, and it is very personal, and it is very contextual. Okay, The great fear of those people in Asia Minor 2,000 years ago was a Roman emperor named Nero. So if you were a Christian in Asia Minor in the first century, you would have been plagued with fear and uncertainty like we have never, ever known. And this letter that was written from John to these churches would have meant a whole lot to you. Because Nero was infamous for murdering his own mom and lighting Christians on fire with tar and putting them on sticks to to light his parties. He hated Christians. So when we come to the book of Revelation, you need to understand that Nero, from other ancient texts, was known as the beast, okay? All right. We should actually sum up everything that you know need to know about Revelation and the mark of the beast and the number 666 and all of that stuff. People are always fascinated by the numerology of the Bible, and there's a lot of it, and I think it's really interesting, but we can take it to places it's not meant to go. 666, what does it mean? Uh, Back in my day, um, I don't know what that means, I I, I think I'm still in this day, but but back in the day, Democrats thought Ronald Reagan was the Antichrist, did you know that? Because his middle name was Wilson, so every word in his name was six letters, so he was the Antichrist, right? And I already told you that way back in my other day, it was Gorbachev, because he had that thing on his head, there's always been something about that, And, and we've always been been wrong up to this point. And you need to understand that the readers of Revelation would have understood and interpreted the symbol of 666 as a symbol more than a math problem. But you can have a lot of fun with 666 if you want to. Like, do you know what 664 is? It's the neighbor of the beast. Do you know what Philip 666 is? It's the gas station of the beast. You know what 566.69 is? That's the Walmart price of the beast. Do you know what 1010011010 is? Come on, coders. You know it's the binary number of the beast. Do you know what 666 Fahrenheit is? Proper temperature to cook the beast. 60666 is the zip code of the beast. Do you know where that is? It's in Chicago. It's, oh, I'm not making this up. It's O'Hare Airport. That's what it is. Six zero six six six. So it's Midway, Midway. Are you with me? Okay. So however, if I could go back to 2000 years ago, when this letter was written, um, just know that Nero was widely known as the beast. And it would make a whole lot of sense to you if you understood that Nero's name translated into Hebrew has a numeric value of anyone, anyone? 666, six, six. yeah, exactly. Listen, I've, st- I've got a doctorate in religion. I've studied all four views of the book of Revelation, and there are good reasons to believe three of them. One of them's really wacky, but three of them, there's good biblical reasons to believe them. But the problem is they don't agree with each other, and you kind of have to take one course or another if you're going to figure this out by taking things literally. And you can read a whole bunch of stuff into the book of Revelation, but it's not going to help. And here's why I think that's true. The very beginning of Revelation says this, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it. Okay. That's 1 verse 3. So we should understand that revelation was was supposed to be a dramatic performance and understand that these symbols were intended for a specific audience. In other words, the book of Revelation, as we talk about what heaven's going to be like, the book of Revelation is a poetic book that aims to influence and persuade the churches to respond But please understand that a lot of what was prophesied in Daniel has already been fulfilled. A lot of what was prophesied by Jesus was fulfilled in 70 A.D. in the destruction of of Jerusalem. And much of Revelation was already fulfilled by Nero and Domitian. Okay, So if you want to be literal, it starts to get tricky. I'm just going to tell you like in chapter 6 of Revelation all the stars fall down and it sounds like a you know great blockbuster movie all the falls are falling to the all the stars are falling to the earth and then two more chapters later all the stars are back up again and then four more chapters a third of them are swept away that doesn't make any sense of course it doesn't make any sense they're symbolic revelation is filled with word pictures that are <laughs> absurd if interpreted literally but they're very deeply insightful when interpreted symbolically. It was supposed to be encouragement. Now, that said, Jesus told us to be ready. And I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of signs that point to the fact that Jesus may be coming back soon. And I, for one, hope it happens as soon as possible. But let's remember that the most important part of being ready for the return of Jesus is to keep working on our mission, okay? Uh, Jesus told a parable, and he said, you know, the ones who were ready had their oil in the lamp. They were, they were ready for what was getting ready to happen. So I'm telling you, we need to have the oil in our lamp. We've got more work to do. We've got things to do. We can, we can have fun with, you know, what the future's gonna look like and, and try to interpret all the signs if we want to, but the mission is the most important thing. So your question will be, so should you take the vaccine? And I will tell you, that's up to you. I did. I'm fully vaccinated because I seriously can't fulfill my calling without it. I need people to feel safe around me. I need to get back to Africa. I need to get down to the city of Chicago and be able to help people. And I feel like it's the loving thing for me to do. Some of my family is not going to do it because of health reasons, and that's your call. But if you ask me, Tim, do you think there are theological reasons not to take the vaccine? My answer is no, okay? So if Revelation is figurative more than literal, how do we know what heaven is going to be like then? How do I know? Will I have a mansion or will I live in a van down by the river? That's what I want to know. What color is the carpet going to be? How big will my TV be? And the problem is that some of us picture this according to how we, you know, our own paradigm, like it's the Emerald City from the Wizard of Oz, right? Or or it's Disney World, or for some of you, it's the ivy-covered outfield of Wrigley Field. That's what heaven feels like to you. But that's only because that's what we know. One day, some of the religious leaders came to Jesus and said, Jesus, will there be marriage in heaven? I got to tell you. I think they were setting Jesus up for a joke. This is just me, personally. They were expecting Jesus to say, if there's marriage, can it be heaven? But he didn't do that. Jesus took it seriously, and here's what he said to the Sadducees. He said, no, you don't understand. It's all going to be different, and there's really no way you can understand what it's going to be like. So what we do when we start thinking about what heaven and the afterlife is going to be like is we look at the bigger picture of what it is, what is going to be like when hell is gone and the Garden of Eden is restored. This goes back to what I did at Easter, okay? I believe that God has given us, I really believe He has given us glimpses of heaven and He has blessed us on earth in a way that we don't always think about what it's going to be like when hell is gone. Because the kingdom of heaven is here, and it does start here. It's like my first job past mowing lawns was at Baskin-Robbins, okay? And I mean, and, um, in, in winter in Oklahoma, I ate more ice cream than I sold. It, it, it was a great job. But you're, if you've been asked Baskin-Robbins, you know what they do. they got those little pink spoons, right? So that you can have a flavor of what that thing is. It's not, it's not the whole thing, but you can have a flavor, and I believe that we get to be in a place where we have little pink spoons of heaven. You know, it's not everything we want it to be, but, but, it, but it's close. It's like Aaron Rodgers hosting Jeopardy. It's the same show, but something just doesn't feel right. Come on, that's the best line I've had in like a month, you guys. Come on, some respect here. I think, that, I think that the big difference in people's attitude about heaven is how good their life is going right now. That's, that's true. If you listen to the old slave spirituals, right? They were on the plantations. They're being neglected. They're being abused. What do you hear them singing about? Heaven, man. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. If you talk to a person who's got disabilities, you will see a greater desire for heaven. If you're missing someone in your life who's passed away, like my wife missing her mom and dad over the last couple of years, you love someone who's gone, you think about it a lot more. But some of us have great marriages, and our bodies are still working for the most part, and our jobs are fulfilling, and our kids are doing okay, and we're not concerning ourselves with what happens next. Here's the thing. There used to be that beer commercial, you remember it, where there's these middle-aged smelly from fishing guys sitting around a campfire and they click their bottles together and they say, it just doesn't get any better than this, right? And sometimes we'd agree. And sometimes we'd say, man, I hope it does. Sometimes you need to grab a hold of that and realize that this isn't all there is. And that's what I want to do today. That's what we've been doing through this series, is to realize that it does get better than this. This is not the end of the road. One writer suggested, and I love this practical thing to do, is to just take out a little card or maybe make this, you know, your screensaver on your phone and let it say it does get better than this. And on those days, when you're not having a good day, you could pull it out, and remember, it does get better than this. There is a day we look forward to, and the goal will be heaven, and it's going to be perfect, and the hell will be gone from here. And hey... When you take your best day also, you know, that day when the weather is so nice and your wife says tonight's going to be a good night and they finally finish the construction on 294 and if that day ever happens, you pull out your card and you can remember it still gets better than this. So what I want to do is stay on the not side, the not side of of, of what we know is not going to be in heaven like Todd started us a couple of weeks ago because I think this is the key to understanding heaven. Here we go. I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. They will be his people and God will be with them and he will be their God, their God and he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Did so, you notice one thing in there that sounded kind of weird? I'm just going to do all these no mores, okay? There's no more sea. Some of you are like, oh, hold on a second. I, I want to go fishing in heaven. I, I, I want to have a boat. I want to go water skiing. Most people are fond of the sea or the ocean or a cabin by the lake. But again, as I started this out, go back symbolically 2,000 years ago and interpret this As we should interpret it, understand that as John is having this vision of what eternity is going to be like, he is marooned on a prison island when he writes this, okay? He's literally on the island of Patmos. We went there on our Greece trip a couple of years ago. It's incredible to go, but it's an island. It's basically Australia. It was a prison island back in the day. So what does the sea represent for John? Don't worry about what it represents for you. Worry about what it represents for John. It represents separation from everything that he loves. And in heaven, that won't be there anymore. So we got a picture of the family last week, just let me help you to understand, mom and dad are on the left side, and then the Nashville kids are there, and then next to them is Becca with their little baby, and you know, that they live in Orange County, California, my wife's on her way out to help babysit for them right now, and then next to them is the Ventura, California kids, who are three hours away from the Orange County, California kids, and then we've got the, the Tommy's sister and brother-in-law and his parents joined us, and that's why we had. So many kids up there. You were freaking out thinking, wow, Tim's got a lot of grandkids. Two of those aren't mine. They're just kind of like part of the family. But but you notice that my parents live in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and they're getting ready to move to Dallas so they can be next to my sister. I got Nashville. I got two different places in California. So that's why I wanted to have everybody together because we never get to have everybody together. Not very often do we get to be together because of the sea. And that doesn't even begin as I said already to talk about the fact that it is those the separation from those who have died some of you are missing people who have gone away what is that that is the sea won't be anymore when we get hell out of here won't be any more tears no hurt no rejection no abuse no deceit no mistreatment no aches or sadness of any kind They make no more tear shampoo for babies, right? Now, have you ever known it to work for very long? Because I haven't. Every baby I've ever bathed found a reason to shed some tears, usually within a few hours after I used that dumb shampoo. I I, I just think it's false advertising. (laughs) Happened last weekend. Unfortunately, on this earth, there is no such thing as tear-free. You shed your share of tears. Maybe some of you have this week. And I wish I could hear your stories because I want to give you hope that someday there will really be tear-free heaven with nothing negative, nothing bad, no more tears, partially because there will be no more death. I'm tired of death. I don't like it. I know that God's in control. I know it's not his fault, but I get tired of funerals, don't you? I know it's the blame of Adam and Eve. Um, Death is a result of sin. Death is literally hell. Sin entered the world through one man and and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all men because all men sinned. That's how hell got here in the first place. And we die because we're all sinners, but death is not the end. Jesus promised the thief, remember, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus comforted his close friends at Lazarus' funeral by saying, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. He dies physically, but he will never die spiritually. His soul will live on forever. All I know is that the death is really just a transition from one place to the next. There's an old southern gospel song I love so much. And I like it more the older I get. This old house is getting shaky, this old house is getting old. This old house lets in the rain, this old house lets in the cold. On my knees I'm getting chilly, but I feel no fear nor pain cuz I see an angel peeking through a broken window pane. I ain't gonna need this house no longer, I ain't gonna need this house no more. I ain't got time to fix the shingles, I ain't got time to fix the floor. Ain't got time to oil the hinges nor to mend no window pane. I ain't gonna need this house no longer. I'm getting ready to meet the saints. But maybe you're not on board yet. Let's keep going. There will be no more fear. Again, we're going to interpret symbolically. He carried me away to the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates. The city was laid out like a square, as long as it was wide. He measured the city with a rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length, as wide as it is high as it is long. And he measured the wall, and it was 144 cubits thick. Okay, All of those numbers are numbers of perfection. It doesn't really mean literally, and the great street of the city was of pure gold like transparent glass. doesn't mean literally. We're we're talking about figuratively, okay? And those numbers are symbols. But if you're worried, will there be room for me in heaven? If you took those symbolic numbers and you added them all up, heaven is going to be 396,000 stories high, and each floor will be half the size of the United States and there's no gravity, okay? So that's a big old city, not to worry. But what's the symbol in there that's important? The walls. Again, 2,000 years ago, what was your protection? It was the walls. They didn't have to worry about aerial assault back then, right? Unless there were dragons still around or whatever. They didn't worry about that. The only thing they needed for safety was walls that could keep out the horses and the chariots, and they were safe. The walls symbolized a place where there is no fear, no worries, because nothing bad can get in. Think about living with absolutely no fear. Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Bob Russell wrote When I was nine years old, I began playing Little League Baseball for a team four miles from my home. Sometimes a teammate's father would drive me home after practice, let me off at the end of the road, and I'd walk the half a mile of dirt road to our house. If practice went long and we headed home at dusk, I'd start to get troubled. I didn't like walking up that spooky dirt road at night. Every rustle of the bush was a coyote. Every shadow was an axe murderer poised to attack me. I think I set a speed record for a nine-year-old running the half mile several times. So when practice was over and the adults stood around and talked, I'd start to get nervous. On the ride home, I'd get really quiet. But once in a while, when I was troubled, just before I'd be let off at the dirt road, I would spot the silhouette of my dad standing at the end of the road waiting to meet me. And instantly my troubles were over. I was relieved. I walked home with my dad without a care. John said, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple and the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives its light and the Lamb is its lamp and the nations will walk by the light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor to it on no day will its gates ever be shut for there will be no night there the glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it No more temple in the city. You see that? Okay. If you ever heard me talk about Leviticus in the tabernacle, you heard it at at Easter time as well. They they had this place inside the tabernacle that was basically heaven, right? 24-7 access to the Ark of the Covenant and access to God fully and completely. And because Jesus became the scapegoat and took our sins away and God tore the veil from top to bottom, we we live with access to God. However, because we still live in an imperfect world with sin, there's still not perfect communion with God. So we still have to worship Him. We still need our high priest of Jesus. Jesus. It's going to be great to love completely with God there. And when we get there, we will really know God, and we will dwell with Him, and we will be His people. We have part of it now, but we'll have all of it then. As a matter of fact, there will be no more sun. Did you hear that part? Whoa, 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 whoa. You're like, wait a minute, the sun just came out in Chicago. Don't take away my sun, right? Denise was commenting to me the other day. We were driving somewhere, and she said how good the sun felt. I mean, some people don't understand that, right? People in California and Florida, other God-forsaken places like that, they don't understand sun deprivation. But we in Illinois have a better understanding of Scripture and of the things of God because we understand, well, hell, better than those places do, okay? We understand what it's like to live without the sun. We understand that if it's 40 degrees outside and the sun's shining, we're going to put our shorts on, right? Right? And and Denise said to me, she said, I I wonder if God puts a little of himself in the sunlight. That's a good thought, isn't it? But when we get there, he is going to be our son. When Moses got to be close to God, God came down the mountain and, 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 and put his hand over Moses and walked by him. And even with that little bit of exposure to God... Moses came down with a God burn. Everybody saw it. They said, oh, your face is glowing. The real source of light and beauty and warmth is everywhere. The glory of God gives its light. And speaking of that, there will be no more night. You know when I like night? When I'm tired. I don't want to sleep in the daytime. I want to sleep at night. But guess what? We're never going to be tired. The angel showed me the river of water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb in the middle of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. And no longer will there be any curse. Probably if we can sum the whole thing up, that's the most important part of the book of Revelation. Someday, there will be no more curse hell. The river of life is flowing. All the junk that Adam and Eve and Satan and me and you let into the world is gone. Pandora's box is supernaturally closed back up and thrown into the lake of fire and the curse of sin is vanquished. Can you imagine what it'll be like to live in a world Without sin and hell, no murder, no stealing, no lying, no gossip, no drunk driving, no abusive spouses, no materialism, no greed, no anger, no addictions to pornography or drugs or alcohol or work, no coronaviruses. Max Alcato writes: Have you ever done anything? Have you done anything recently because of sin? At the very least, you've complained, you've worried, you've grumbled, you've hoarded when you should have shared. You've turned away when you should have helped. You've second-guessed and you've covered up, but you won't do that in heaven. Because of sin, you've snapped at the ones you love and argued with the ones you cherish. You felt ashamed and guilty and bitter. You have ulcers and sleepless nights and cloudy days and a pain in the neck, but you won't have those in heaven. Because of sin, the young are abused and the elderly forgotten. Because of sin, God is cursed and drugs are worshiped. Because of sin, the poor have less and the affluent want more. Because of sin, babies have no daddies and husbands have no wives. But in heaven, sin will have no power. In fact, sin will have no presence because there will be no sin. Sin has caused a thousand heartaches and broken a million promises. Your addiction can be traced back to sin. Your mistrust can be traced back to sin. Bigotry, robbery, adultery, all because of sin. But in heaven, all of this will end. Then he asks, can you imagine a world without sin? If so, then you can imagine heaven. My favorite illustration of describing what heaven is gonna be like someday from an old preacher named Glenn Wheeler whose wife had passed away and he talked about what it was like to be without her and he said what I miss are the little things he said just the little things after a sermon she would take my hand and say you're a good man Glenn Wheeler he said my wife was a great cook and one of the things I especially miss about her was her cooking And one of my favorite things about her cooking is after dinner was over, we'd start to clear the places and sometimes she would say, keep your fork, Glenn. The best is yet to come, right? Keep your fork, Glenn. I knew what that meant. That meant dessert was coming and she knew how to make dessert. And he said, sometimes at night when I'm home all by myself, it's as though I can hear the Lord say, Keep your fork, Glenn. The best is yet to come. John's list about what's not going to be in heaven could have gone on forever because John says in Revelation 21, nothing impure will enter it. Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Only those who have asked for their name to be there will be there and they will be purified And they will have accepted the cleansing that comes from the blood of Jesus. And we're going to celebrate that together in just a moment. Here's what John said in another letter that he wrote. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. And he who does not have the son does not have life. The choice is up to you. We're going to spend some time listening to a great song and remember again why we have the hope of heaven and why it's so important to think about what it's going to be like when hell is gone. Because it gives us peace. It does get better than this. A friend emailed me today about someone we've been praying for who was not doing well. And the first line of the email said, well, she's home. And my first thought was, oh, she passed away. And then I kept reading and I was like, no, she, she literally went home, which was good because she needed to be home and she was healed. But it was funny that transition for me. I hope you can feel that way. I hope that you can understand that someday home is really going to be where we belong. Father, be with us as we worship. Be with us as we are encouraged. Whether we're having a great day or a bad day, it just always is going to get better than this. And we look forward to that day. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.
0: If you decided to take a step toward God today, that is awesome. We'd love to help you explore faith even more, and you can start that conversation with us by filling out the short Next Steps form at parkviewchurch.com slash steps. Thanks for joining us today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his eyes toward you and give you his peace. See you next time.